Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, welcome to the 340th episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. This episode is brought to you by patrons Michael Groves and David Fairman. I'm Matt Enlow. And I'm Warren Kaplan, and today we are talking about more gripes, my specialty. Kaplan gripes, coming at ya. We're talking about that side of the film business. It's very much an art, a craft, and a business where we compete with each other, where we lose jobs or when we get jobs and other people lose jobs when we're up against each other. It's a roller coaster of emotions, this Mm -hmm. business. And sometimes it's fun to hear that other people are bummed about not getting a job too, you know? Yeah, definitely. Or even just that those negative feelings, those competitive feelings that we have sometimes, those feelings of, well, why not me? Everybody has those feelings as well. So we've got our good pal, Carlin Hudson, here to talk to us about that. Regular listeners will recognize her from many, many episodes and her myriad of successes. But She's a great counterpoint, I think, Oren and I, you and I are, um, we were real yin and yang on this one. I think pretty regularly we kind of switch sides depending on uh, which way the wind is blowing. So Yeah, I mean, I love to commiserate with people. It's hard to be pitching on things and, you know, knowing there's a bunch of other people in the mix. Someone might get it. I might get it. You might get it. If you like hearing me complain about things, you will really like this episode. And if you like Matt trying to find the silver lining... Mm-hmm. Then you will also like this episode. I, you know, I dare say, if you like the show, <laughs> then you will like this episode. It's pretty consistent with the way that we've been hosting it for the last few years. Speaking of uh, liking this show, if you really, really like this show and you want to support us financially, so that we can pay our editor, mm-hmm. pay all our server fees, maybe even afford therapy, as we allude to in this episode. Well, I, I don't know that we would use just shoot it money for therapy. Is that where, what you've been doing with the Patreon money? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I find the silver lining so <laughs> I feel much more evolved now thanks to all of your are, patronage. Now things yeah. are adding up. You're like, we? <laughs> I make money. I don't know about you, Warren. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Whether I'm working or not, it's Patreon. Um, <laughs> Just easy money. <laughs> anyway, we really appreciate a dollar, five dollars, twenty dollars if you go to our Patreon one time. I will mail you a Just Shoot It podcast hat. Just mailed two hats out the other day and made some people very happy. Patreon has also changed the way that they do billing now. So I think it's a little bit more streamlined and straightforward for people. Like, I think it used to be that there was like a delay. You would sign up and then at the first of the month you would get billed, which is Mm -hmm. weird. Yeah. Now you get billed as soon as you sign up the same way when you, you know, buy something online somewhere else basically check it out patreon.com slash just shoot it pod it's where you can go 
Tell us that this is worthwhile. And we're going to bring live shows back. Or when we haven't talked about this, I sent some emails out. We're like putting feelers out. Like it's it's going to happen eventually. Being a patron uh, gets you free access to the live shows. Well, without further ado, a word from our sponsors. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you Everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Okay, we're here with our BFF, Carlin Hudson. Welcome back, Carlin. Thank you so much. It's It's really an honor to be here on the Jealousy episode as the special guest, the expert on jealousy, me. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, you're our favorite guest. Everyone knows that. We were going to talk about jealousy and to me like social media is like a big part of it and just like what attitudes us as creatives and filmmakers and writers and directors and artists so to speak like how much we have to be happy for our friends or our colleagues and their success and how much we're allowed to be kind of bummed about them getting the job that you wanted to get it's perfect also because i feel like we all have been up against each other especially like a few years ago i think it was relatively common that we were all on the same list regularly Oren, you were saying off mic, I'm fond of saying it's easy to be happy for each other when there's lots of work going around. And I think it gets a little bit more challenging when people are in dry spells. You know, directing is kind of a feast or famine sort of situation. And there's the saying work begets work. So when you're not working, you're not begetting anything. And I think that that does make it harder for sure. 
And I mean, I guess there's also like the other thing where you see your friends that you were directing kind of at the same level at one time now are directing huge TV shows or big multi-million dollar movies. It is hard to like not look at your own career and say like, what did they do that I didn't do? It's like there's a lot of ups and downs. And, you know, I used to be an engineer and I talked to people about this one. They asked me about like switching from engineering to directing. They're like, oh, that's a total 180. And I think they're talking about like, the work. But to me, the biggest difference between being an engineer and being a filmmaker is the, like the roller coaster of emotions that you go through, you know, Stability. the yeah. highs yeah. are like so high. Yeah. You're getting awards with celebrities and, you know, getting drinks and flying in private jets and doing all the crazy things. But the lows are so low. You just like, you get rejected for the 10th time in a row and you don't know if like, there's like anything left of your career. Yeah. Whereas like a job like an engineer, you know, you sure you have some big wins and some small losses, but in general, you can rely on going to work and doing what you do and always having a job no matter what. Yeah. And I think um, I talk a lot about this in therapy. Uh, first recommendation is get a therapist if you can afford it. <laughs> but um, Carlin, clearly Orin and I aren't in therapy because we have a podcast. <laughs> This is our, yeah. Clearly. Okay, men, it's Clearly. not the same. <laughs> it's no, not but that, the same. You're right. I, <laughs> truly, the only important piece of advice is just go get therapy. <laughs> For real. That's it. <laughs> because, you know, we, we do talk about it a lot, but um, this career, because I'm, I'm sure listeners kind of know that uh, it's been a slow summer for, I would venture to say, most people. Like most directors I know I who so. aren't super, super established are having a tough time mm -hmm, right now. Mm -hmm. And even it's, some production companies, I think as a, yeah. also, you know? Yeah. And I, and I, uh, Oren knows this well, but I, I've, I had a terrible work summer. I, I lost two movies and my two movies got canceled. And then I lost five or six commercials in a row. That's never happened to me. <laughs> and, and man, it's, it is hard not to just beat yourself up. Like what, what am I doing wrong? But yeah, what's tough about directing in particular is my therapist was like, wow, so you, you're telling me that like you go from being the most important person on the set <laughs> mm -hmm. to just sitting in your office alone, waiting yeah. for the phone to ring, basically. Yeah, I'm yeah. Like, yes. And that <laughs> is crazy making. Yeah, I, yes. I, I love that point about being the most important person on the set because it's not just because that you're Matt, Matt the keeps shots. telling everyone that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> everyone. I am the most important. No, um, that status brings like some real psychic weight to it. I used to think, oh, I'm always so funny on set. My jokes are the same, <laughs> but my status, whether whether it's like a mix of psychology from the crew or like a little bit of butt kissing or some, some cocktail or whatever, mm -hmm. but like people treat you differently and that affects your own self image in a very yeah. tangible way that you have to be aware of, or you will get caught up in it and become a lunatic. Like it, it's yeah. not surprising that like Michael Bay and James Cameron act abhorrently sometimes. Do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? It's, it's like, Oh, if you made the biggest movies in the world and you, you're making them for months and months and years and people are treating you like that nonstop, you just would get used to it. Do you know what I mean? That's just like injecting yeah. heroin into your eyeball all day, every day. Anyway, Carla, yeah. I cut you off to agree with you. As other listeners probably know, like I also am fortunate enough to have a writing career, but writing is not the same because writing, you're always alone 
staring into your computer. Well, if you're writing features, if you're in a, in a writer's room, you're with, with people, but it's just a different kind of marathon than directing, mm-hmm. which is truly up and down. And mm-hmm. so, and now that my Netflix writing job has wrapped because they all got fired at Netflix. I don't know if people know that you know, everybody got fired. Ton- Netflix fired hundreds or thousands of people, including the, depart- the whole department that was producing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like 10% of their employees or something. Yeah. And so I didn't realize how much that like grounded me because I kind of like had that project for a year and a half that I could just go back to whenever directing was not totally, I wasn't booking a lot of directing jobs. I like always had this sort of base level of a writing job. And man, I didn't know how good I had it, you know? I relate, and I didn't even think about it until this moment. But, like, I, for a long time, half of my income was just writing different things. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of, you know, you start focusing on one thing, and, and then all of a sudden that part of your life is gone. Or or maybe you lose a little bit of heat, you know? I think that's mm-hmm. the other thing. Like, selling things gets trickier. And- it's funny how much things have changed just in the last you know, six months to a year, because I feel like, I don't know if it was the beginning of this year, at some point, a very lucrative job came up and I turned it down. And I said on the podcast how proud of myself I was for turning down a job because it didn't really fit into my plan, career plan, you know, in terms of like what I want to make. Carlin actually ended up doing that job and got all the money. And thank God. (laughs) <laughs> and and pretend, you know, it, you might have gotten the job anyway, even if I wouldn't have turned right. it down. You I, know, did, I didn't um, have to like pitch on it. But, yeah, yeah. Um, and I saw your treatment, which was amazing and literally changed the way I make treatments. Wow. That is really so nice. Thank you. Continue. C- keep complimenting me, but but continue. Tell me what else you love about me. Uh, go on. Yes. But then like five months later, a similar job came up that was paid much less. The creative was much worse. And all of a sudden, I'm like, huh, I should probably take this job. (laughs) The other kind of interesting thing you brought up was about your movies versus your commercials, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, And to me, I think the big difference is you write a film, you sell it to Netflix. That's still an accomplishment on its own. If nothing else happens with the movie, uh, there's still something there. And you can still on your resume is like, hey, I sold this feature to, you know, this original script I wrote to Netflix. Mm -hmm, and your reps can say that there's a little gas in the tank with that. Totally. Right? Yeah, yeah, I got to join the WGA. It wasn't actually an original script. I adapted a book. Whatever. Oh. It doesn't matter. It wasn't but Caitlin yeah. versus? That's a different script. That was the one that was set up at Hulu that got canceled. Oh, so you had, you had a, a project at Hulu, a project at Netflix. Anytime yeah. anyone at a party is like, what are you up to? It's like, oh, I'm shooting this thing in Philadelphia. I'm doing this. I got this going on and I have these two movies that are my movies set up, you know, at Netflix and at Hulu. Yeah. Formerly. See how hard I'm being on myself. Anyways, continue. But when Netflix, yeah. But when the Netflix movie falls through, it's not because they're like, Oh, we like someone else better. It's because, Hey, we're cutting back on our spending. We're letting go of some people and it's kind of just bad luck. But when you lose five commercial jobs in a row, however, three and whatever it is, that's because you lost them to someone else. You know, the yeah. commercials. I want to push back a little bit on that because I think that the psychology of it, because it could be commercials, it could be bad luck, quote unquote. The, the mm-hmm. director could have worked with that per, the company a million times or like As they Lauren just made. Knows, I was the recommend for two of those five or six commercials, which means I should have gotten them. But right. in some fluke, I didn't, which is, right. has never happened to me. That, and yeah. I would call that bad luck for sure. And yeah. I think the flip side of that 
and Carlin, I'm not saying this at all, but I could imagine if I were in your circumstance and my movie got canceled, they're still making other movies, There's, which is the, the equivalent of them picking some movies and not yours. Do you know what I mean? Right, but they're making less talk, movies. I guess what I'm saying, you can talk yourself into being upset about it and not be able to get out of bed no matter what. Whether oh, it's, yeah. it's luck or whether it's like literally like, oh, we just don't like your movie anymore. Like yeah. there are new bosses and they fire exactly. you. And you can talk yourself into any of those scenarios. Yeah. I'm saying we all have very good reasons to be depressed. Yes. No, no. I think it. <laughs> no, I think that's a super exactly. valid. That, that's a very depressing. I think it's more depressing than losing a commercial. I think it's very valid to be bummed about that. What I'm saying is it's it's different from like a like seeing someone else get your job, you know? Like mm-hmm. the competition of it all and kind of the jealousy. I don't know if jealousy is the right word, but it's the this thing where when there's not a lot of work, it does become a little bit of a competition to see who gets yeah. the job. The, the movies are definitely, personally, I was able to understand that those two things were totally out of my control. I right. wrote the best movies that I could. I had major stars attached to one of them and it still didn't matter. Someone mm-hmm. knew at Hulu, I I this is what we think, sure. decided that it just wasn't a movie that he wanted to make. Yeah. And so that was it, you know, and then Netflix, mm. again, we all know what happened. Netflix, they uh, probably mismanaged. They spent too much money on stuff. Then they did, fired a bunch of like mid-level executives, which is bana- a bananas move, but whatever. Um, horrible for those people. But uh, yeah, those were, those felt like particularly out of my control. And some mm-hmm. of the commercials felt out of my control, but some of them, I feel like, I could have strategized better on some of my mm-hmm. approaches. And in that way, that's been an, int- that's been a good learning experience. Cause I'm like, I even saw the treatment of one person who won a lottery job over me. And I thought my treatment was perfect. And mm-hmm. so did the producer. She was like, how could this, this is the best treatment I've seen all year. And I saw the winning treatment and I was like, yeah, that rocks. That's a yeah. great treatment. Yeah, yeah. He did well, and, this and- couple things really well, you know? I think there is solace when you see the competition and they nailed it. Yes. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, okay, it's not personal. It's not bad luck. I would have picked that too. Does, in a certain sense, make you feel better? Yeah. Or at least it's actionable, right? Because then you're like, oh, that feels like something. I think the, the, the like crazy making part, like I talked about, is when just everything's out of your control and you just can't do anything and you just feel like, I did personally, when I feel out of control, that's when I feel, you know, I just, you, you go nuts. And mm-hmm. so when it's something in a treatment that I could have done better, that to me is like, Oh, next time I'll try that. Then again, I could have maybe not gotten the job. She may have known the creators who knows, sure. you know, Carlin, yeah. the, the real reason that I was like, Oh, Carlin would be a perfect person to talk to about this topic is because years ago, Orin and I were complaining about something. We were complaining, frankly, a little bit about like how some producers and some higher ups like to be like, we're not looking for white males right now. Mm-hmm. And you said something. So you said, I would be introspective too, if someone said that to me. Mm-hmm. And I thought, Oh, that's the perfect way to frame the feelings because it's not like intellectually in that circumstance, like, you know, it's frustrating, but also what can you do? But right. that's true you for can't everything. Change your demographic. Yeah. You can't change any yeah. of that stuff, but also you're still feeling those feelings. Yeah. And so it's not invalid to feel frustrated that you are the victim of bad luck or any other thing. Right. But that's different than blaming or, 
comparing, you know, like kind of the negative sides of, of what we're talking about here, right? Because it's, it, it's one thing to look at yourself to think, how can I improve my work? How can I make things mm-hmm. better? What could I do? How can I be more opportunistic? How can I self-generate? All of that stuff. That's the result of being introspective. You know, mm-hmm. that's a, a healthier way to deal with it, I think, than like, I can't believe that, you know, Carly keeps getting these movies, right? It's like, okay, well, maybe you should write some movies, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Like, um, is the flip side. Do you know what I mean? And so yeah. I, I've thought about you saying I would be introspective too many, many times over this year. I don't even remember saying that. Yeah, wow, it was just something I've been you said to a lot of I'm pretty sure I'm the one that said that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I, it's funny because I feel like a lot of what I try to provide with the podcast uh, for new filmmakers, obviously experienced people know this, is that I do think a lot of people starting out in Hollywood, they finish film school, they move to L.A., they make a short it gets into some festivals, they get some meetings, they pitch some things and nothing happens and they get like really angry, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, I had this thing and I did this, like I did all this stuff. I did, and, I did the stuff yeah. you're supposed to do. Yeah. And so a lot of what I enjoy is like when we talk to like Maggie Kiley, you know, who's like a super successful TV director, but like it took her, a, she had to make a lot of movies and go do a lot of programs and like yeah. work nonstop, like get rejected a ton. And I want people to know that, that is like part of the process is to like get rejected and think that like you're getting kind of screwed over. But, um, but then when we had, you know, we did that whole month of like network development execs and they're like, yeah, we love this pitch from, you know, Kanye, but just wasn't right for us. And, uh, and then you realize like who you're up against and what they're looking for. And they're looking for, you know, just the, that whole undeniable word that people were throwing around a lot a few months ago. And you realize like, oh, it's like you, Carlin. You're like, I made the it's perfect treatment. And then you see someone else's treatment. And you're like, oh, dang, yeah. that's that's pretty, pretty good, too. Yeah. Um, and it's it's tough. But like, I guess part of what I think people get from the podcast is realizing that it's not mm-hmm. personal and that there's always like more that you can do. But I think yeah. us, the people that make the podcast, sometimes I definitely fall into that thing, too, where I'm like looking at another director and I'm like that her stuff isn't that good. Like why did they mm-hmm. get the job over me? Yeah. Um, but oftentimes more often I probably do the opposite, which I'm like, how did I even, why did I even write a treatment or pitch on this job? Cause like I look at someone else's reel, like I just lost this job. I was actually with Carlin when I got the call and I looked at the reel of the person that got it. And it's like, it's like mm-hmm. putting a Marvel movie director against someone that had like an indie film at Newport beach film festival, you know? Um, it just felt like good festival. Yeah, exactly. It just felt like I was perfect for the job, but then you see the person that got it and it's like, Oh, they've done like the super bowl version of this job. Yeah. Um, And it's, I was having lunch with the, not Orin, sorry to cheat on you, Orin, another friend of mine who, um, we went to NYU together, (laughs) um, farm cup in echo park. Hmm. Anyways, new places, huh? That's right. Uh, so, and he is like, for all intents and purposes, like a pretty successful, you know, television writer. He's been writing on Grownish or Blackish and sold a couple things, whatever. And, um, you know, he's just, he's just like all of us terrified about what the next job is and, and how, and, and then, but then we, we realized like member five years ago, all we wanted, our goal was, was to 
Yeah. yeah, or not even that, but just like we were both kind of like, if we could just make a living to where we're comfortable mm-hmm. writing or directing or whatever, like, wouldn't that be amazing? And so you just realize, like, as ambitious people, which we all are, if you're drawn to this crazy competitive industry, like success is, I'm sure everybody's heard this, but is like a mountain or a ladder that just keeps going up in front of you. Like yeah. you get to the next ring, but then you don't even look below because there's six more ahead. And then when you get to those, there's six more rings ahead of that. Right. And so that's how we get caught in this like loop of we're never good enough. We're never doing enough. We're never whatever. But like the actual, the better analogy for success in our industry is like a map. It's, it's, it's flat and then there's hills and then there's a valley and then it's just kind of winding and it's, that doesn't just go straight up. Like that's just not helpful for us because it's just not accurate, yeah. you know, and just being aware of that, I think is helpful to me. Well, and I think it, that the perfect segue to my other main piece of advice, which is just celebrating the wins, right? Mm-hmm. No matter how small they are, because, um, you know, and that could be like a positive email or like you know, somebody responding to something simple or, or winning even a smaller job or, or, you know, or, or even honestly, I I think it's truly a win to get turned down, to lose out on a job is still a win in so much as that means you're in the mix. You know what I mean? Right. Like I'm sure there are one or two times. That's fine. But yeah, (laughs) when that happens four or five times, it's because you are working for free a lot, very hard and you're investing emotionally. Sure. Yes. I, I hear you. I hear you, Oren. Some dry spells, Oren, where you were like, oh, God, I keep losing out on jobs and I wasn't seeing boards. Mm-hmm. And so I'm saying the grass is always greener for sure. Yeah. That, that And that was like, you know, a dark, hard time for me, for sure. You know what I mean? And that's not me pointing fingers, obviously. But I'm saying like, I, I hear your point. You got to make a living. But like, if you don't enjoy this work and and maybe sometimes set your mind on enjoying it consciously deciding to enjoy it it'll eat you up because it's too hard and there are too many better ways to make money frankly do you know what i mean yeah yeah you you gotta celebrate those wins for sure in what way do you celebrate the wins matt uh, that's a good question and i guess my main philosophy behind it is to just actually acknowledge them Mm-hmm. To say, hey, this is a win. Appreciate it for a moment. Do right. you know what I mean? Because my wife, like, I got a nice email yesterday. And my, I forwarded it to my wife. And she was like, you look upset. And I was like, no, I'm just I'm just in it right now. I'm just thinking about it. I'm just trying to think of, like, yeah. what to, how to, can I use this in some way or whatever. But, like, it, it honestly, like, that's why I've been thinking about it so much recently. It's just like, mm-hmm. oh, this is a nice thing. Just just savor it for a second. I, I think that's a nice thought for sure. But like, let's say you're a football player in the NFL. Okay, you made analogy. it to the NFL. Please, please continue. Uh-huh. We, we get it. We can relate. Yeah. Um, yeah. That is a football. It's like a <laughs> kind of egg-shaped ball? ball that people oh. throw. Made out of pigskin? Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, and you are in the, you know, you finally, you you finally made it on this team and they let you play and you had a horrible play and then you lost the game. And then the next game you lost the game and then the next game you lost the game. And then the Mm -hmm. next game, they don't even put you in the game. Like, are you still celebrating that you're in a player in the NFL or are you like, what I'm saying, I'm not going to be in the NFL (laughs) next week. I, I think that you could look at literally millions of people who dreamt of playing in the NFL 
and mm-hmm. like ask them, hey, would you prefer to lose a few games in the NFL or never have never made it? And like the answer is very clear, I think, from all mm-hmm. of those parties. Right. And it, it, it is actually a pretty apt comparison because we are playing in the NFL. Right. Like Hollywood is as competitive as pro sports, certainly. Right. And so um, you're not wrong. You got to make a living, Oren. I hear what you're saying. No, but it's not just the living. It's the whole like, like, yes, of course, if you are a kid in high school and you're playing football, your dream is to just like be acknowledged by a football player, you know. But once you're in the NFL, your job is to excel and to win games and to get better. And if you don't, then you will play less and eventually you will not be a professional football player. So there's... um, I guess what I'm saying, I I think we're both right, but what I'm saying is that you're not going to win more games by dwelling on the fact that you've lost a bunch of games. Yeah, I'm not saying give up trying to win. Well, you might use sports psychology. um, They say (laughs) the best, right? The best athletes are the ones who can let go of their mistakes because you have to, right? If you can't let go of your mistakes, then how could you? I mean, I'm a, I play tennis like recreationally and it's just like, man, when you double fault or like miss two serves in a row, it's just you. Yeah, not pickle. Look, I have a lot of, to say about pickleball. We'll save that. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Um, but it's like it's like my coach is always like, "Let it go. Let it go. Let it go." And we have to do that too, right? Because like you're going to have to serve again. So, may as well get practice it's, of just letting go different. of the mistakes if you were at wimbledon you know if you're serena williams and this is potentially your last opportunity to like it, it but she it's lost. harder to let she lost in the third round at wimbledon yeah, but it's no okay. longer the greatest player ever okay that see that's not true <laughs> that's not true <laughs> no, literally I'm the greatest to have ever okay, lived right? <laughs> i'm literally sending you my therapist info right now no, obviously i'm kidding therapy. about serena williams but I'm just saying like, and look, if you, Matt, I think if you get, if you do win the small job, yes, you celebrate. If you like someone, you you know, we have like one of our former guests, Tony Franklin, like he was on this podcast, a bunch of people contacted him and he's kind of mentoring like all these different directors. He has like Zooms on Fridays and like, I, I think a lot about like why he does that, you know, like what he gets out of it. It's not like he gets paid or he gets jobs or sure he meets people, but there's something about like. Hey, I'm a director and I'm going to like help other like newer directors. That's part of being a director. And so like, mm-hmm. I feel like that can be a win, you know, just people like looking at you in a way that validates like you and your career and all that stuff. But I think just being in the mix is nice. But at a certain point, if you're in the mix and you never, you're always like the person that they put through in the mix because, you know, they mm-hmm. needed like three people to bid on this job. Then it's like. It's hard to celebrate. There's other things to celebrate. Or, and I can't blame you for feeling <laughs> introspective. <laughs> Your feelings are valid. They are valid. They are valid. I'm not joking. They're valid for sure. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that like the difference between being competitive and being jealous, that's really what we're talking about is like, what are you dwelling on? Right. Anytime I've been in that circumstance where I've just been like, I can't believe it. I can't believe that. Like, like, why am I not booking this? I wasn't even in the mix on that. Right. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of circumstances. Where I, there's lots of jobs I wasn't even on the list for that I would kill to get. Right. Yeah. Um. The answer is always just like do the work and enjoy doing the work. That's the answer. I agree that it's not valuable to be like to dwell. But mm-hmm. I guess I just think at a certain point you don't need to celebrate being in the mix. You know, 
you kind of need to kind of figure out how to win the mix. I hear what you were saying. I think we are both right. I think that you should celebrate being in the mix. And that's not to say don't go soft, stay competitive, but also like you could do it for the love of the game also. I will say just another like tool I use when I'm feeling particularly jealous of other people's careers because it it does require like a bit of self a, a great deal of self-awareness, but man, I will notice myself like seeing them for instance i did this with the director of do revenge recently who people told me to watch that movie because it is kind of a in the vein of things that i would direct so Mm -hmm. instead of like enjoying the movie i just am super jealous of this woman who i've never met and i go on this i go on like a rabbit hole online about like who is she oh my gosh she's only that old and she did what and blah 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 and then i can feel myself like that pit growing in my stomach of like the voice in my head that says you're never going to be like her. You're never going to make it, you know? And you're like, wait a second, hold on. I'm feeling this. And then I was like, I need to turn the internet off. And then I'll take off Instagram on my phone Mm -hmm, for weeks mm -hmm. at a time. Because Mm -hmm. when I get into the, when I feel myself just like clicking on this and clicking on this and going on this and looking at this, I'm like, oh, this makes me feel bad about myself. That's not helpful. Yeah. That's why I'm not on social media basically anymore. Yeah. Because when work is slow and you're, and you're on social media, all whatever your, your thing is, like if, if it's, you're comparing other people's relationships to your own or, you know, work stuff, it's all fake. You know, people will come to me and like, why are you doing so well? And I'm like, I've literally lost eight jobs in three months. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And so, but, but online I seem so happy because I'm not posting all my failures. I think it's also true of all three of us and probably most directors we know. You could be you could wrap the coolest shoot of your life Mm -hmm. and then two days later be like, I'm never going to work again. Yes. I just had a job in Philadelphia for Crunch Gyms, you know, Mm -hmm. one of the best jobs I've had in years. It was so much fun. The agency rocked. It was just and I stayed in this like dope hotel ordering room service in my fluffy white robe. And I was like, I am an amazing director. I'm killing it. Yeah. And I, I was so happy I could. I literally almost cried in this Philadelphia tour, this cheesy, this super corny tour I took with the Liberty Bell. He made me cry because I was just so grateful <laughs> to have had a great job. And then I get home and I'm like, wow, that was great. That was great. Tr- truly, three days later, it felt years away. I was like, I just was happy. What happened? You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And that's 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 what we signed up for. I guess I don't really feel like I'm jealous of people because there's no one that I see that succeeds that like I don't understand why, you know, Mm -hmm. and and I and I know how we could get better jobs and we could win better. You know, you don't really you don't see. I see plenty of people's careers. I'm like, how I see people that I feel like they made just the right thing at the right time and Mm -hmm. knew the right people like Mm -hmm. and that's basically what you need, especially on the TV and film side. Mm-hmm. commercial side it's just uh, so different because we're, there is a system and you are funneled into like lists and people sort through them and filter out reels and then do treatments and all of that stuff happens in tv and film all like like literally there i made those lists yeah it's just right, a different but- structure in terms of like it's not as simple as three people submit mm-hmm. treatments sure, it's different sure. in that way yeah, yeah, but you still, they like, oh, we need a director for this. They meet with a handful of people and then they pick that person. Yeah. And those people present presentation materials. They put together lookbooks and things like mm-hmm. that. 
Right. You're talking about for an episode of TV or for a pilot? Well, for features. Yeah, a pilot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess if if the episode is going, but they still meet with those people. Yeah. Right, right. Of course they they meet. But it's the, the, like, if your friend became a showrunner of a show, you know, and you had directed things in the vein of that and your friend, like, there are, we do know a lot of directors that got Got jobs because they were friends with the people that were making the show, you know, like Mm -hmm. Peter Atencio and, um, you know, all like a bunch of those UCB people and, yeah. Jarrett, you know, like there's a lot of people that through what they've made and their connections are getting things that is, and and that happens in the commercial world too, but not really in the commercial world that we're playing in. Right. Um, But, but yeah, I guess the funny thing is that I do feel like I know what the, the solution to every one of these issues is. Um, Just shoot it. Yeah. And Jordan, you know, our buddy Jordan Brady had, I forget who it was, but he had a guest on his podcast like years ago that I remember, I think he might've been like a director DP, but he talked about how he would do like a few great jobs and then things would get really slow and he'd get really depressed and he'd like make a short and then that would just open up a whole new like Mm -hmm. list of people. And then he'd work a little, you know, do a few jobs. And again, it's just like, it's endless cycle of Yep. Working for other people and then like kind of refinding your voice. And because the trends change too, um, yeah. it helps when you get to like, you know, you, Carlin, we talked about this a lot. She's made a bunch of different shorts, you know, over the years and have played some great festivals. And I think like if we talked about how if you made a short today, it would be more have a purpose beyond the short, right? Is it a proof yeah. of concept or is it to show people that you can work with? surfers or whatever you know like that that if whenever you're not working you should make your own work um and vice versa but yeah it's like the longer we do this and the more kind of comfortable we get in and like fielding calls and offers for work the harder it is to like pump the brakes and say Mm -hmm. like okay i'm just gonna sit here at this coffee shop and write something well and try to make it for no money if you're feeling bad and you're not working it's hard to sit down and be like, okay, and now I'm going to write the great American short screenplay. Yeah. Um, and every time your phone beeps, it's like, Ooh, yeah. who's that? Oh, the IRS. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's a bill collector. Very cool. <laughs> so we just lost Matt. He had to run to a meeting. Freaking bastard. So busy. He's working so That's much. So and nice. we're just sitting here making a podcast. Mid- in the middle of the day. Do people, the like the biggest place where I realize when I'm not working as much again, because I think, you know, we're all anyone that's a filmmaker is like a workaholic. We're all just used to like working nonstop every day. When people are ask you like, oh, what are you what are you working on? What are you up to? You know, and I feel like when you have a ton of work, you're like, oh, I'm working on this thing. And yeah, it's cool. And I, I'll tell you more about it if you're interested. But when you don't have as many things, it's like, yeah, I'm pitching on this thing and I'm waiting to hear back on this. And like, I might have this thing and I'm kind of like working on my own thing. You know, it, yeah. you just turn into like a nervous ball of anxiety. Does that happen to you? It does. I think I can, I think I tend to downplay like my accomplishments and lean into my failures, which, uh, is natural, but also part of it is like, I think it's me trying to be like, see, we're all struggling. Like it's okay. You know, everybody loses. I lose all the time, but, but yeah, I wonder if it's a detriment to 
kind of getting future jobs. I don't know. Like, do we just have to pretend to like everything's going great or do we be, are we honest? And those are the only two options. There's nothing in between. Yeah. Well, no, I think about that a lot because obviously we've had people come on the podcast before they've made like some movie that played at a cool festival and, and we're like, what's next? And they're like, oh, we don't know. I don't know. Like, will you hire me? Will someone hire me? And I'm like, yeah. that's like the number one way to not get hired. <laughs> it's like, it's just a turnoff when someone seems like desperate to get yeah. the job. So I think Which about I that a lot. true in dating too, right? Like I know we've been with our partners a long time, but yeah, it's like you can't go on a, go on a first date being like, you love me, right? We're going to get married. This is everything's <laughs> perfect. You're like, no, that that's an immediate turnoff. Like this person is unhinged. Right. Yeah. And then I also like read this thing. I mean, I don't know if you've ever read like uh, a book, how to win friends and influence people and like all those kind of like, um, I'm not above self-help books, but I have not read that one. Yeah. Like there is this, obviously there's like the secret, there's also every different version of this, but basically people like happy people, you know? Yeah. Um, and so Sometimes I like have to remind myself that when someone's like, how are you doing? Me saying like, Ugh, life sucks, <laughs> like does not make someone want to talk to you and be excited for you and work with you as much as like, I'm doing great, you know? Yeah. Lots of, lots of cool things happening. So I'm trying to think of this time period as a opportunity. Wow. I sound so annoying because when I think back about like my short, nice ass that kind of launched my career in some ways, my comedy career. I made that because nobody was hiring me and because I just decided to make three short sketches or films in a year. And that was the third. And um, I never would have made that if I didn't have time to creatively think about the concept, to just do it one weekend, to just shoot it. Mm -hmm. Um, And similarly now I'm, reaching out to people I haven't heard from in a long time. I'm working on a series. I'm just doing a bunch of stuff that I usually don't have time to do. And I don't know when these things are going to pay off, but I know that they will eventually. It's like currently I'm, I'm, I'm deep in the long game, you know, but short, yeah. but the short term is, is rough. <laughs> There's just no way around it, but it is. Yeah. I know that this time period is going to be good for me, but that doesn't make it easy. I think once we get past our hangups, me maybe having the biggest hangups of the three of us. Um, it's not a, it's not a hangup competition. Well, a I know there's there's going to be a, a ton more work, um, yeah. and it is an opportunity for us to work on our own things. And yeah, it is good to remind ourselves that uh, you know happy people are attractive. So, <laughs> so we should what a, be happy. What a, what a non problematic uh, moral to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, I'd love to hear from our listeners if you guys have any thoughts on work, competition, jealousy, like how you, what you do when you're not getting jobs, what you do when you do when you are getting jobs. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Your thoughts on everything. You can tweet at us at just shoot a pod or email us at just shoot a pod at gmail dot com. Before we end the episode, do you have a second to endorse something with me? I do. Unpaid endorsements. I'm endorsing a little film called Bros. Um, I know, controversial on gay Twitter, let me tell you. But uh, I saw it in the theater on opening weekend, and it was a blast. 
It was such a great comedy. It was really, really fucking funny. And uh, I, I, we, had a, we had a great time. I went with a group of people, and it was just really so much fun to see a comedy in a theater. And I thought the love story was great and really heartwarming and sweet. It just it just was really well directed, in my opinion. Like, the, the tone was great. There's some hilarious set pieces and scenes. And it's just a lot better than I think the marketing is. And I loved it. So that's my recommendation. Go see it. Yeah, I think the marketing is trying to be controversial, but maybe it's coming off as um, like cheeky. I don't know, kind of like basic. Yeah, it's (laughs) Uh, yeah. I think I think it's trying to appeal so hard to like straight people that it's turning off maybe its core audience. That's sort of like the the thesis of gay Twitter. Um, and I don't disagree, but I, I, lo- I love Billy Eichner and I know that not everybody does, but I, I love Billy on the street and I think, I just think the movie's great. So I think, yeah, I, I love him too. I've heard him like on many podcasts talking about the movie and, yeah. and it sounds, it sounds really good. Yeah. The director is Nick Stoller. Yeah. He's not gay. Um, not gay. And he, I think brought the, the idea to Billy and then they wrote it together. Really? Um, yeah. Huh. And yeah. the lead, the lead guy, the other lead who nobody's really ever heard of, right. he was it's awesome. like from like Hallmark films or something, he, right? He he was incredible. He was so sweet and funny and hot. Great movie. So I saw this video from uh, Corridor Digital, who we endorse their things a lot. They always make awesome things on YouTube, and they made a video called "Is This the Death of VFX?" It's a video where they trained an AI to figure out what they look like. Like the, all the members of the, of digital of Corridor Digital, and huh. then they like made a whole story with art that's all AI generated about this like medieval story that stars them. It's just incredible. Like you, and the way you would do it is you would take like a few selfies, you'd load them into this AI engine called Stable Diffusion, I think, and then you would say like Carlin as a warrior, uh, you know, in medieval times, like slaying a bear uh you know in kind of stylized like stylized as like um or like in oil painting as if monet painted it or something and then it would show you that exact image and it would be incredible like it just Hmm. looks so good and one of the interesting things about the video is like when you do ai art like one of the things that's super helpful is to reference an artist's style uh, to tell the engine like what you want it to look like, and they mentioned two two artists. One is named Yoji Shinkawa, and another one Greg Rutkowski. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I wasn't familiar with either one of them, but I guess Greg Rutkowski does a ton of like video game companies hire him to like figure out the look of like the worlds and things like that. Wow! I thought those were two really good references um, when I'm looking up art for like treatments and things. And I've I've always like wanted to like be familiar with more like pop artists and their names because you know as part of our job is to find imagery and visuals and be inspired and to try to find cohesive things so some if i find a photographer i love i'll like bookmark their page you know and i'll try to like check back in and see what new photos they have but through this video called is this the death of vfx from a corridor crew on youtube i learned about these two new artists and so really love the video but also i just like learning about artists so then when i'm pitching something that's like an epic story of some sort about 
you know, Kit Kats in the office or whatever it ends up being. I can like reference these artists. That's something cool from this week. Thanks for joining, Carlin. Are you still Carlin at Carlin Hudson? That's on Instagram. On Instagram. Yes. Mm-hmm. And at Hey Carlin, C-A-R-L-Y-N on Twitter. I'm uh, at O Kaplan on Instagram. I'm at Smitey Pileg on Twitter. Matt is at Mr. Matt Enlow across all social media. And our podcast is at Just Shoot a Pod. And we'd love for you to follow us, write to us, mention us, do anything, interact with us. We, we love it when we hear from people. Remember what we said about being desperate? Yes, please. We love you. <laughs> love us back. <laughs> No, don't. You know, I don't care. Oh, no. don't we're cool. Actually, us. we're like really happy with ourselves. So yeah, we prefer, we prefer. We have a limit of like a million followers. So we prefer yeah. you don't follow us if you're not really serious about it. This episode was edited by Noah Bayshore. And the music you're listening to is from the Free Music Archive and the artist Jazar. And we will catch you next time. Thanks, everyone. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.